We're continuing our look at the parables of Jesus. This is the third installment in this series. We started a couple of weeks ago, and we said that there are some uh, 38 parables, and every week I say I'm going to go back and look to be sure I'm right when I use that number. Uh, I haven't gone back and looked yet, but I think I'm right. 38 parables of Jesus in the scripture. Certainly we're not going to cover all 38 of them, uh, but we're going to cover uh, a good number of them to try to glean from them the teaching that Jesus is giving, not just to those to whom he is speaking directly, his present generation, but how that teaching has relevance to our generation. Uh, we looked at uh, the parable of the seeds and the sower. Uh, that was our first parable a couple of weeks back. Uh, and we talked about the various types of soil upon which the seed fell and that uh, the, the types of soil were representative of uh, the status of the heart of the recipient of the word of God, which is represented by the seed. Then last week, we talked uh, about, it was another agricultural uh, parable where Jesus talked about uh, weeds that were uh, surreptitiously planted in a field of wheat uh, in order to corrupt the field. And uh, we talked about how we have to be on guard against false teaching and satanic influences that can corrupt uh, the good message of the gospel that Jesus uh, was sent to convey. And by extension, that we as the church have to be careful about false teaching that infiltrates the church, because that goes on all the time. Uh, you know, one of the great things about the generation in which we live is that communication is uh, faster and more widespread than it has ever been. Uh, I'm, I'm not old, but I'm certainly not young anymore. And I have seen how rapidly communication has advanced in my lifetime. There was, there was a time in my very early childhood where you got uh, the, the six o'clock news that was local and the 5.30 news that was national, and that was about it. Uh, you got the newspaper, Baton Rouge had two newspapers. You had uh, the State Times, which came in the evening, and the Morning Advocate that came in the morning, by virtue of the fact that it was called the Morning Advocate. That, uh, uh, but, but, and, and, and that was how news spread. Uh, every now and then, you would listen to the radio and something would break in. But sometimes it could be days after something happened before the news had spread uh, to vast parts of the world. Today, if it happened at 6.33, the world knows it at 6.33 in 15 seconds. Everything moves at, a, at an extremely rapid pace. There is no such thing as a news lag anymore. The only reason why you don't know what happened is because you're not tuned in to anything. Uh, uh, people go everywhere with their phones. I, I had to go and, and renew my license today. And everybody 
in there had their phones out, and, and, and all of them were doing their little thing on their phone. Information moves at such a rapid pace, and that's a wonderful thing. But one of the worst things that happened to the church and the gospel is that information moves at a rapid pace, and you have no real time to check what you have heard against your own research, against your own study, against your own experience. One of the problems that we have is that we even, don't be insulted with, with what I'm about to say, uh, because I'm not calling anybody this. I'm just saying this is the way you act. You, you, you act like dummies. You just take whatever somebody says and you run with it. You don't fact check it. You don't research it. If somebody said it, and heaven help if they wear in a suit and a tie and can make their subject and verb agree, you just take it as being correct. You take it as being appropriate simply because someone said it. And in the church, that's a dangerous thing. There was a time when, 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 when religious broadcasting was a rare thing, and it was relegated only to the weekends and usually only on Sunday mornings. Now, you get 24-hour-a-day uh, religious broadcasting, depending upon what cable outlet or what uh, uh, television outlet you use, uh, you, you get several different 24-hour-a-day religious channels. And it's all filled with all kinds of information. Some of it is good. Most of it, most of it, 99, well, what does these say about ivory soap? 99 and 44, 100% pure. Most of it, 99 and 44, 100ths of the religious broadcast, about to call it something else, of the, of the religious broadcasting that you get is junk. It is foolishness. It cannot be substantiated by Scripture, and if you took the time to do your own research and study, you would come to the same conclusion that I have come to. But our problem is we don't do the research. We simply take what others have said and we run with it. And that's what Jesus was referring to. I still ain't gotten to tonight's uh, study. That, 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 that's what Jesus was referring to when he talked about the corruption of the field. The field had good wheat in it. The field had wheat that had been diligently prepared and, and, and properly planted and properly taken care of. But he said, in the night, while the workers were asleep, enemies went into the field and planted weeds right in there with the wheat. And here's the thing about the weeds. The weeds look just like the wheat. The weeds grew just like the wheat. In fact, Jesus says the only way that you could distinguish which one was weed and which one was wheat was when it came to harvest time. That's a long time for, for, for bad stuff to grow with good stuff. And, and there were some who said, well, well, Master, you know, 
we, we'll go out there and we'll separate them. And, 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 and Jesus says, the master said, no, you leave it alone. He said, you, you, you leave it alone because the wheat is too valuable to me to allow you to go out there and mistakenly pull up good wheat trying to get the weeds. I know you mean well. I, I know you're trying to do the right thing. But, but good intentions could lead to good wheat being pulled up with bad weeds. He says, there's only one who's qualified to do this, and that's me. So, 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 so when harvest time comes, you ain't going out there. I'm going out there. And I'm going to be the one who separates the weed from the wheat. That's how valuable Jesus says you are. I am so much concerned about your welfare that I'm willing to let bad stuff grow up all around you in order to protect you from being pulled up prematurely by those who are well-intentioned. It's a good parable. I, I, I could have stayed there a little bit longer. But that, that, th th those were the first two parables that we talked about. Tonight we're moving to parable number three. It took me 13 minutes to get to parable number three. But, but here we are. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 7. And we are going to look at verses 1 through 23. But before we look at 1 from verses 1 through 23, I invite you to look at verse 14, verses 14 and 15. Some of the parables of Jesus are long. We're going to look at uh, some of the parables on lostness, where, where Jesus gives the whole story of the prodigal son. It's several uh, 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 verses in length. Some of the parables are very, very short. Now, I want us to look at verses 1 through 23, but the actual parable is in verses 14 and 15. Well, if the actual parable is in verses 14 and 15, why are we starting with verse 1? Because you need to keep everything within its context. You start with verse 1 to get the proper context for what's being said in verses 14 and 15, and you continue on to verse 23 to stay within the context of what happens at the end. Does that make sense to you? Okay. The parable is actually in verses 14 and 15. Jesus called the crowd together again and said, listen now, all of you, take this to heart. It's not what you swallow that pollutes your life. It's what you vomit. That's the real pollution. That's the whole parable right there. Some people wouldn't call it a parable. They call it a proverb. But it's not a proverb. It's actually a parable. Because Jesus is using this as a symbol to make a different statement. So remember, the parable is in verses 14 to 15. To keep it in its context, let's go back up to verse 1 and see what's going on. The Pharisees, along with some religion scholars who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around him, who is him. Jesus. 
they noticed that some of his disciples weren't being careful with ritual washings before meals. The Pharisees, Jews in general, in fact, would never eat a meal without going through the motions of a ritual hand washing with an especially vigorous scrubbing if they had just come from the market. To say nothing of the scourings, they'd give jugs and pots and pans. The Pharisees and religious and religion scholars asked, why do your disciples flout the rules, showing up at meals without washing their hands? Jesus answered, Isaiah was right about frauds like you. Hit the bullseye, in fact. These people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart isn't in it. They act like they are worshiping me, but they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy, ditching God's command and taking up the latest fads. He went on, well, good for you. You get rid of God's command so you won't be inconvenienced in following the religious fashions. Moses said, respect your father and mother, and anyone denouncing father or mother should be killed. But you weasel out of that by saying that it's perfectly acceptable to say to father and mother, gift, what I owed you I've given as a gift to God, thus relieving yourselves of obligation to father or mother. You scratch out God's word and scrawl a whim in its place. You do a lot of things like this. Again, here's where the parable comes in. Jesus called the crowd together again and said, listen now, all of you, take this to heart. It's not what you swallow that pollutes your life. It's what you vomit. That's the real pollution. Keep it in its context. Keep reading. When he was back home after being with the crowd, his disciples said, we don't get it. Put it in plain language. I love what Jesus says here. Jesus said, are you being willfully stupid? Don't you see that what you swallow can't contaminate you? If it doesn't enter your heart, but your stomach works its way through the intestines and is finally flushed, that took care of dietary quibbling. Jesus was saying that all foods are fit to eat. He went on, it's what comes out of a person that pollutes obscenities, lusts, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, depravity, deceptive dealings, carousing, mean looks, slander, arrogance, foolishness. All these are vomit from the heart. There is the source of your pollution. You like that? Jesus is saying something extremely important. Let's go back to the start. The chapter starts by saying the Pharisees. And let me say this to you. In almost every place where you see in the Gospels the Pharisees, the first thing you ought to do is go, oh, Lord, here we go again. They, 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 there are not too many places where you will see the term Pharisee and you won't read about something foolish that comes, that comes along after it. Who are the Pharisees? 
Pharisees were one sect, S-E-C-T, sect of Judaism, a very popular sect of Judaism at that time. At, at the time of Jesus, there were four or maybe five sects of Judaism. Pharisees were by far the most popular, the most widespread. The Sadducees were the most wealthy. And, but, but, but they were, because they were wealthy, as you well know, ain't but so many folk that can have wealth. So they, they were like today's one percenters. One uh, percent of the people own 70 percent of all the stuff. That was the Sadducees. They were wealthy. And, and they were concentrated primarily in Jerusalem, and their stronghold was the temple. The Pharisees were more uh, rural folk, but they were the legalists of the sects. There were also groups called Zealots. Uh, there were groups called Essenes. There were groups called Herodians. So there, there were several different sects of Judaism. But the Pharisees were by far the most numerous, by far the most influential, and by far the most legalistic. Now, some of you might like Pharisees. And why do I say that? Because some of y'all like rules. So, so, some of y'all think that all of life, can be boiled down to following rules. You got a rule for everything. You got a rule for getting up in the morning. You got a rule for what you do when you get up in the morning. You, if somebody told you that you had to brush your teeth before you washed your face, you wouldn't know what to do. I've, I've never done it that way before. Some of us are lovers of rules. And the Pharisees were among that group. Pharisees did not start off being bad folk. They started off with a good intention, and their intention was to clarify the law, was to make the law as clear and as specific as possible. But over time, what happened is the Pharisees started substituting their rules for the actual law of God. Look at what it says at the start. The Pharisees, Jews in general, in fact, would never eat a meal without going through the motions of a ritual hand washing with an especially vigorous scrubbing if they had just come from the market to say nothing of the scourings. They'd give jugs and pots and hands. Now, the question that you should ask is, where did that come from? It came from the idea that you should be clean before you engage in food. It came from the law. The law said that before you eat certain things, you should make sure that you are clean. But the Pharisees took it to its nth degree. And they substituted their rules, their tradition, for the actual law. And they, they, they had such influence. You want to know why Donald Trump is able to do what he does? Because he tells the same lie over and 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 over again. And after a while, after you've heard the same lie 
over and over and over and over again. You start believing the lie. No conspiracy, no collusion. How, how many times has he said? No conspiracy, no collusion. There was no conspiracy, there was no collusion. There was no conspiracy, there was no collusion. He just, and he knows he's lying. But, 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 but he says it over and over and over again until you start actually believing there was no conspiracy and there was no collusion. What, 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 what does that have to do with what I'm talking about? The Pharisees had done such a good job of substituting their tradition for the actual law that people didn't know the difference. They took whatever the Pharisees said as being the actual law. Why not? We, we ought to know something about this because the very first sin in Scripture had to do with someone not getting straight what God actually said. God plants two trees in the middle of the garden, Pl plants all kinds of trees through the garden, but he plants two trees in the middle of the garden. He plants the tree of knowledge and the tree of life in the middle of the garden. And God says to Adam and Eve, you can eat of every tree in this garden except that tree. That tree that is the tree of knowledge. Leave that tree alone. You can have everything else. Leave that tree alone. Serpent comes up to Eve and says, did God really say that, 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 that you can't eat of, uh, 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 of that tree? And that if you do eat of that tree, you will die? She said, God said, not only can we not eat it, we can't even touch it. Because if we touch it, we will die. Now, go back and check it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. That ain't what God said. God said one thing. Eve, in response to the serpent's question, said something else. And guess what? The serpent knew what God said. And by Eve's response, the serpent now knew that Eve didn't know what God said. Because Eve added stuff to it that God didn't say, which gave the serpent the open door to do what he does next. You will not die. See, he goes from planting a seed of doubt to an out-and-out lie. But the only way he could get from the seed of doubt to the lie is that Eve bridged the gap by making it known that she didn't know what God said. These Pharisees had pushed this ritual washing on the people so hard and so often and so regularly and with such intensity that the people did not know that it was not an actual part of the law. Now, let me give these people a break. Let me give these people an out, an out that you don't have, by the way. 
but, 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 but these people have an out in that many of them couldn't read. Literacy was not a widespread thing at that time. So the only way people knew something, if they were not literate, was that they took what somebody else told them. In point of fact, all of Scripture, before it was ever written to parchment, was oral tradition, was stories passed down from one generation to the next, from one village to the next. So the great likelihood is that the people that were following the Pharisees were doing so in a well-intentioned fashion because the Pharisees looked like they knew what they were talking about. You know what they looked like. They had a ring on every finger. They had gold around their necks. They had on a $2,000 suit and a $500 tie. They had on $600 alligator shoes. And they spoke like this with authority. And whenever they said God, they didn't just say God, God, God said. Y'all know folk like that, right? Y'all watch them on TV all the time, don't you? Some of y'all go to church with them. Some of y'all leave here at eight. Amen. And find your way somewhere else. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. And, 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 and they took what the Pharisees said as being right because they looked like they would know. They talked like they would know. And they were literate. And many of these people were not. You don't have that excuse. Just about everybody in this room is literate. Just about everybody in this room can read. And I'm, I, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt that there might be somebody under the sound of my voice, either in here now or who will be listening to this when it's on the podcast, who cannot read. That's not an indictment. God bless you. But if you can read, then why would you let somebody else plant your head with foolishness and just accept it as being true because they look like they know what they're talking about? Because they can say God with authority. Why, 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 why would you allow that to happen in your life? These Pharisees were getting over on these folk because they knew that they didn't know. But Jesus steps up and says, I ain't, I ain't like them. You can't pull the wool over my eyes. I do know. I can read. In fact, I have read. In fact, I've read way more than you've read. And I know what the Word says. Guess what? Because I am the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You can't fool me with this because I know what the Word says. So, so when you come challenging me about why my disciples don't follow the ritual of washing that everybody else does, it's because I know they ain't got to, because I know it's not that important. Because I know that it's nowhere in the Scripture. And since you brought it up to me, let's talk about your hypocrisy. 
let's talk about just how hypocritical you are. My brothers and sisters, we have to be careful because we don't have the excuse that these masses of people have. If you don't know, it's because you're too lazy to find out. If you don't know, it's because you're too disinterested to put in the time and the energy and the effort to learn. And shame on you that you would let somebody hoodwink you, fool you, deceive you, when you have the opportunity to learn for yourself. Jesus said, you ain't going to get me with this because, because that's not what the word says. Since you brought it up, let me, let me just say, I know what Isaiah said about y'all. Isaiah called y'all frauds. Isaiah said they make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart is not in it. Y'all been keeping up with Kenneth Copeland recently? Oh, I feel like picking on folk tonight. Y'all know who Kenneth Copeland is? Kenneth Copeland owns not one, not two, not three, but four jets. Four. Four. You hear me? Four jets. How does one person need four jets? The last one he bought from Tyler Perry, I know that because I watched the little exchange that he had with, 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 with the news reporter. He bought that one from Tyler Perry. And he said Tyler Perry gave him such a good deal on the jet that he, that he just almost had to buy it. The good deal was $54 million. That was a deal. The, 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 the woman came to question him about a statement that he had made when, when one of the other uh, mega church uh, evangelists, Jesse Duplantis, said that he was believing God, that God was going to allow him to, to accumulate $65 million in order to buy a new jet. By the way, he has like four jets also. And y'all ought to care about Jesse Duplantis because he's right down the road in New Orleans. Maybe some of y'all, when y'all leave here, hop on the interstate and head on down to New Orleans. Nobody, nobody's gone yet. I know you've headed to the money cometh man. You know who I'm talking about. I, I, I know you've run to Bethany with, 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 with the young man who said that Barack Obama is a fraud and never should have been in office, and yet black folk are still popping up there all over the place. I know you've run to Jimmy Swaggart, who said back in 2016 when, 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 when Alton Sterling was shot that if anybody uh, looted, that they should be shot on sight. I know y'all still giving money to them. Y'all ain't made it down to Jesse Duplantis yet? Right down the road in Metairie. I'm trying to make a point. 
Oh, I am. I'm preaching tonight. <laughs> I, I, I'm making a point. But, 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 but getting back to Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland was approached by this reporter because Kenneth Copeland had said on one of these religious broadcasts that he supported Jesse Duplantis' uh, desire to get $65 million to purchase this jet, and he didn't understand why he was getting uh, such uh, criticism from the public for that, because otherwise, <laughs> Reverend Duplantis, who already has three other jets, four of the jets, uh, would have to ride in an airplane with regular folk. And, and he said that, though, you know, it, it, it's hard to do God's work when you're riding in a tube filled with demons. Now, do you know who the demons are? Since, since, since we're talking about parables, and, and make, 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 make sure you get the symbolism plain. Do you know who the demons are? The demons was everybody else on the plane. Everybody else on the plane is a demon. So, 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 so the reporter comes up to Kenneth Copeland as he's about to get into his limousine. Look it up. It's on, it's on, it's on YouTube. You, you can find it. Just put in Kenneth Copeland jet. It'll come up. Go ahead. You can do it right now because some of y'all got your phones out right now. Look it up. Look it up. And, 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 and the, the reporter asks him about his statement. Do you really think that everybody else on the airplane is a demon? And Kenneth Copeland's eyes got as big as silver dollars. And he pointed at her with, with, with his godlike authority. I never said that. And don't you say that I said that. Well, I know he said it because I heard him say it. These people who, who act like they know God. Jesus said, these people make a big show saying the right thing, but their heart isn't in it. He says, they act like they are worshiping me, but they don't mean it. He said, Jesus talking, they just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy. Ditching God's command and taking up the latest fads. This is tragedy. And yet this is what goes on all the time. Religious actions that are mere clothing for worldly philosophies. Let me tell you what most of these mega pastors are selling. They're selling capitalism. And capitalism is an economic philosophy. It, it is the economic principle that runs the United States of America. But capitalism is not the gospel. Capitalism works off of exploitation. It doesn't work any other way. Capitalism means those who have money use their money to exploit those who don't have money. They exploit, they, they exploit them by giving them low-paying jobs. Don't buy into all this fiddle-faddle about the fact that more people are employed today than ever before. What kind of job you employed with? 
if you're working three part-time minimum wage jobs with no benefits, yes, you are employed. But what kind of job do you have? Y'all who run to Walmart, somebody going to stop by Walmart on your way home tonight. Do you know that Walmart decreases the hourly wages of their workers so that they don't have to provide benefits? You help them do that. Every time you walk into a Walmart, every time you walk into a Sam's Club, oh, the, the, the discounts are so great here. You know why the discounts are so great? Because they ain't paying nobody nothing. You let them do it because you continue to support what they do. They couldn't do it if you wouldn't let them. Now, I, I, I called Walmart by name, but Walmart ain't the only one who does it. Target does it. Best Buy does I got a deal on this 85-inch TV. Yeah, you did. It was built in Indonesia somewhere by somebody who's getting paid 16 cents a day, not an hour, a day, to put it together. And then it was shipped back over. You want to know why you ain't got no jobs here? Because we're employing people at six. See, you can't employ people here at 16 cents a day. So they send the jobs overseas where they can employ you for slave labor and pay no benefits at all. And it is cheaper to send the, pro to, to send the materials over there, have them put it together, and have them ship it back over here than it is for it to be built right here. And that's why you can buy a 4K TV for $229. Because they were put together with slave labor. These, 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 these mega church pastors, these television pastors promote capitalism. And they promote a particular kind of capitalism. And that is this gimmickry pyramid scheme capitalism. Where the one at the top makes all the money at the expense of all the other folk who work to give them all the money. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all who run up to the altar and drop $100 bills on the altar and the preacher tells you that ain't enough. You got more in your pocket. Y'all know them folk, right? Maybe some of y'all have done that too. I ain't never seen nobody drop a $100 bill <laughs> up here. <laughs> never saw that. Been here since this building was built in 1972. I never saw somebody drop a $100 bill, not, not, not giving it to the preachers. They dropped it. It was by accident, and they quickly went and picked it back up. Amen. It's a particularly sinister kind of capitalism because they tell you that God told me to tell you that if you plant this seed, with this ministry, that you're going to receive a financial blessing so great that you won't have room enough to keep it all. And they misuse scripture in order 
to do it. And some desperate, weak-minded person who's trying to figure out how he's going to catch up when he's three months behind on every bill will go and take his last bit and drop it on the altar, believing that when they get home, Publishers Clearinghouse is going to be there in order to give them back this manifold blessing. He says that they are misusing scripture. They pretend to know me. They talk like they know me. They act like they know me. They carry themselves like they know me, but they don't know nothing about me. In fact, they don't even care about me. He says, let me get a little bit more specific with you. You hypocrites, talking straight now to the Pharisees, the fundamentalist religious folk. He's talking straight. He says, you all want to be all up about who washes what before they eat, but you won't give money to take care of your aging parents. Instead, you put it in an investment. They said they, they gave the money to the, the, the money is dedicated to the Lord. Read, read what it says. Anyone denouncing father and mother should be killed, but you weasel out of that by saying that it's perfectly acceptable to say to father and mother, gift, what I owed you, I've given as a gift to God. Now, what, what does he mean when he says he's given it as a gift to God? He means that he put it in a tax shelter. So, so, so that I don't have to give it to mom and dad. Well, when does it come out of the tax shelter? When mom and daddy did. Ooh, I, I really meant for mom and daddy to have this. How sad that they have passed away. Well, I guess it's back to me now. He says that's the kind of hypocrisy that you, you worried about how clean my hands are. I'm asking you, how clean is your heart? How clean is your conscience? You know, non-religious folk treat folk better than some of us religious folk do. I have a friend of mine who, who, who is both a pastor and a criminal defense attorney. And, and, and he, he, he is often reported as saying, if I have to choose between dealing with criminals and dealing with church folk, I'd rather deal with the criminals. He said the criminals have better morals, better ethics than the church folk. Now he says it and he laughs, but I think he's dead serious when he says it. What a sad indictment that we would use the word of God and the character of God. We would shroud ourselves in his word and in his character in order to deceive other people and make profit for ourselves. That's what Jesus says is going on here. Now we get to the parable. I, I, I'm 44 minutes in. 
finally we get to the parable. Jesus called the crowd together again and said, listen now, all of you, take this to heart. It's not what you swallow that pollutes your life. It's what you vomit. That's the real pollution. It's not what you put in. It's what comes out. And the point that Jesus is making is our cleanliness, our spirituality, our righteousness is not an outside-in thing. It's an inside-out thing. And while the Pharisees called themselves sticking to the word of God, the law of God, in, 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 in being so stringent about cleaning their hands and cleaning the, the, the items that they use to prepare their food. Jesus says you've got it 100% wrong because it's not what goes in that makes you unclean. It's what comes out. And the disciples didn't understand a thing he said. You know how I know? Because it says they didn't understand. It says when he was back home, after being with the crowd, his disciples said, we don't get it. We heard you, but we don't get it. What exactly are you saying? Put it in plain language. And Jesus says something to them that you, 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 you don't typically think of Jesus saying. He said, are you just being willfully stupid? Now, I know you don't get that in the King James Version, but that's why I'm reading from the Message Version. Because the Message Version doesn't put all that pretense in it. The Message Version says, Jesus asked them a simple question. Are you being willfully stupid? In other words, how is it that I can say something that's this plain, this clear, and you don't get it? Don't you have a problem? I have a problem with willfully stupid folk. Don't you have a problem with willfully stupid folk? Don't you have a problem having to say the same thing repeatedly because they, they, they don't get it? I go, I, I told y'all last week, a week before last, I think it was last week, I don't like cheese. Don't like cheese on nothing but a pizza. I don't want cheese on my hamburger. I don't want cheese on my french fries. I don't want cheese on nothing but a pizza. But America, and especially fast food folk in America, want to put cheese on everything. You can't get a sandwich without cheese on it unless you tell them don't put any cheese on it. But I go to CC's. Take, take, take CC's out when you put this on the Thrive Podcast. I go to a coffee place from time to time to get a breakfast bagel and a cafe au lait. And I am very intentional about saying I want a whole wheat breakfast bagel sandwich, no cheese. 
Stupid number one, what, what is it that you want? I want a breakfast bagel sandwich with no cheese. You want a breakfast bagel sandwich with no cheese. Okay, I got it, with no cheese. You drive around, you get to the door, they bring you out the sandwich, and they have it nicely folded up in the bag. And I'm too dumb to open the bag while I'm sitting there. I still trust that after you've said four times, no cheese, that they won't put cheese on the sandwich. And I'm down Perkins Road before I open up the sandwich and pull it out. And there's this big clump of nasty, extra cheese <laughs> on the sandwich. Are you being willfully stupid? How is it that I can say this in such a plain way and yet you want to act like you don't understand? Now, I'm about to finish up. But let me ask you, don't get mad at me. If you want to get mad, go ahead and get mad. Just, just don't, don't hit me. We'll be fine. Are you being willfully stupid? You come to church every Sunday. Many of you come to church every Sunday. Many of you read your Bible several times a week, if not every day of the week. Many of you watch that same broadcasting stuff that I've been talking about all hour. And you listen to religious broadcasting all day on, because y'all are just the most pious folk in the world, and y'all listen to religious stuff all day long. Y'all don't get no Aretha, y'all don't get no Whitney, y'all don't get no Luther. Y'all just stay with the mighty clouds of joy all day long. So, so, so I know you all are super religious Folk, so let me ask you, how is it that you don't understand forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors? How, how is it that, that you don't understand that? How is it that you don't understand as I have loved you, so should you love one another? How is it that, 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 that it got by you? When it said, if any one of you wants to be the greatest in the kingdom, you must make yourself the servant of them all. Are you being willfully stupid? How is it that, 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 that you missed that you must turn the other cheek? If a man strikes you on one cheek, turn. I know you don't like it. I didn't ask you if you liked it. I asked you, can you understand it? Did you get it? Did you know who said it? And if you really are committed to him, how is it that you cannot be committed to what he said? Because he asked the question, why is it that you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you to do? I said, if a man strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. You, you, you want to go have a fight. You want to go start a war. Oh, no, the earrings are coming off and the shoes are going down and a fight is coming. When I say earrings, that's not sexist because men wear earrings now just like women do. How is it that, 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 that Jesus can say, bless those who curse you? 
And you won't act like you don't know what that means. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that use you and persecute you. I'm, I'm just asking the question that Jesus asked. After he put it as plain as he could put it, it's not what goes into you that pollutes you, it's what comes out. And, and, and you come and ask, what does that mean? I don't understand. Say it more plain. So I'm just asking the same question Jesus asked. Are you being willfully stupid? Do you simply not want to hear and understand what the word of God is saying? How is it that we can sing, I love the Lord, but we won't do anything that the Lord said do? And justify it. Think I'm right. We're being willfully, willfully stupid. Here's good news for you. Got seven minutes. Ain't going to use all seven of them. Lawrence, you can start getting ready to play. Uh, uh, uh. Here's the good news. You don't go to heaven based on what you do or don't do. And you ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Heaven, he heaven is not just for those who do the right thing. Now, I, I know what the Bible says about well done, good and faithful servant, and I always say you can't expect to hear well done if you haven't done well. But he he here's the thing. You don't get to heaven by doing well. And you ought to be glad. Because you flunk. You flunk. I flunk. We all flunk. He's talking about me. He ain't talking about himself. So I threw me in it. I flunk too. We all flunk the test. You get to heaven based upon your faith relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Good news, you don't make it to heaven based upon your labor, your work. I know we used to sing songs about sending up my timber every day, building my house in glory. Mm, sounds right, it ain't got nothing to do with the Bible, but, 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 but we, we, we like the way it sounds. You don't get to heaven based upon your labor. But Here's the caveat on that, and I'm done. The caveat is, while you don't get to heaven based upon your labor, your labor ought to reflect the fact that you're on your way to heaven. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. If there's one tonight who would want to accept Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, we invite you to come. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb, of God I come, 
I. Repeat after me, please. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Y'all have a good night.